I don't know. <laughs> Probably though. <clears throat> Let's be real. Like who's if who's not a little forlorn out there? Yeah, yeah. I don't know. It's normal to get a little forlorn. A little forlorn. A, a little forlorn. <laughs> I don't know where that word came from. It's beautiful. Beautiful. It's beautiful. Wow. Um, you just listened to our last podcast today, right? Uh, I did when I was wa- watering the garden. How did we do? Uh, <laughs> I don't know. It was well, fine. It would pander to my vanities. How did we do? I mean, I think we... <laughs> <laughs> we, I feel feel like we're entertaining, but to us, to us, yeah. But who knows if it uh, actually strikes anything with anyone else? We could <laughs> all, all twenty five of our listeners could just be hate listening. Yeah, it's so weird. I was saying this to you a few days ago. It's so weird to not know to uh, to create art or media or whatever mm. you, whatever a podcast is uh, quantified as. Uh, for an audience that like it's not interactive you know in the way that social media or performance or like an art exhibit or things like that that I'm more used to putting out work mm-hmm. through are like somewhat immediately interactive it's been interesting to do the podcast we've gotten like a few emails over the years but mostly we don't know who you people are <laughs> well we could I feel like we just that's not something we felt like cultivating because mm, yeah. if we wanted to attach it to like sacred sadism Instagram or oh, something yeah. like that, we could very or invested in building some kind yeah. of interactive community. I feel like um, yeah, we just kind of chosen to put things. Yeah, into the void. we're just like Meh, we yeah we barely edit. We're just like yeah we blab, put it up. <laughs> but yeah, it's always just like a little weird to. to uh, for me to be like, who are we talking to? But maybe it is just for us to listen to and be <laughs> we're, like, we're, we're cool. We're our only, we're our biggest We're our biggest fans. fans. <laughs> we're funny. Well, yeah, I don't... Maybe perhaps this is my plea to whoever the fuck is listening, wherever you are. Like, let us know that you exist. <laughs> <laughs> or don't, whatever. It's not your job. It's not our job either. We're yeah. just fucking around and finding out. Um, speaking of media, media and mediums, uh, wasn't something we talked about in the last episode about, like, media literacy? Yeah. Were talking about ChatGPT or something? Um, ChatGPT, but also, I can't remember what it was. It was something else that we were, or before we started talking about ChatGPT, that was also... GPT. I would say GBT. I know. (laughs) GPT. But I feel like it's something we've also, we've touched on several times throughout the course of doing the pod- mm-hmm. podcast just especially when it relates to kind of like news and po- mass media politics which you never want politics to what do you mean we've talked we probably uh, talked about politics there was the like most. A, there was like a run where you were like oh no we're talking about politics again and I was like <laughs> well like shit's going down um but yeah media literacy is interesting as a subject particularly in the past couple weeks um Oh, yeah, you brought up to me something that I did not clock as, like, a deeper word. Well, okay, so last, it was last week or the week before, many of you will have probably seen this viral image of... If you're on Twitter. No, Twitter, Instagram, it was everywhere. It was all over the internet. Um, It was a picture of the Pope, Francis, whatever he is. Whoever the current... Whoever the current Pope is, um seeming allegedly wearing a like white very like hype beast like balenciaga no more like a um oh who's the designer mon mon uh moncler i think is the designer that they were riffing on a moncler style white puffer floor length jacket (laughs) very hype beast looking very like cool like fashion uh vibe it was an ai generated image i think with um mid journey is i believe the the ai generator that was used and it was tweeted out by one person and it ended up proliferating throughout the internet. And most people, many people, not most, many people were sharing it as reality, thinking, oh my God, the Pope has drip. Mm, I don't know. <laughs> I saw that and immediately was like, oh, that's a bad Photoshop. <laughs> right. But not everybody has the media literacy, as we're going to talk about, uh, to discern that. And the technology is becoming more and more believable if you don't know what to look for if you're not super keyed into that those conversations those technological yeah. developments you're not gonna know if that's really the pope or not 
it just doesn't, I mean, it just doesn't make sense that the Pope would be wearing that. <laughs> yeah. So you showed it to me, and you thought it was a Photoshop. Did I show you? You showed me, and I just kind of, like, shook my head, like, because oh. I had seen it, like, 15 times. Oh. <laughs> Sorry. <clears throat> I don't just, even remember. I'm just very online. Um, but, yeah, I don't, not that I'm, like, some media literacy god or anything. No, it just, we can't. It just well, didn't make, point. it just didn't make, it just didn't make any sense that he would be wearing that. <laughs> so some people may have interpreted it as you did a Photoshop, yeah. especially because if you look at his hand, his hand is... It's a hand, but it's like grasping. It's, not grasp, right. it's grasping yeah. something in a way that's not natural to like human hands. Yeah. That, and that's usually the biggest tell for these um, AI. new AI generate uh, image generators is like the hands are still very difficult to um, make look real or normal. Mm. Um, but the more people play with them, the better they get. So it's yeah. It's, I mean, it's, it's only a matter of time before the unval uncanny values like yeah. yeah. Well, I, I would say, yeah, cool. it was, it, and I think it, um, my understanding of that technology, both the image generator ones and like ChatGPT or Bing, which is the chatbot of um, ChatGPT, I think, or maybe Bing is like owned by a different company. I don't know, but Bing is like a interactive chatbot um, who gained a sort of semblance of sentience in the way that it was interacting with people that was freaking people out. Um, <laughs> it's it evolves really quickly and i think that really freaks people out like how quickly the more you play with it the more you f the more you train it the more quickly these um artificial intelligence uh, I, you know we don't i don't think you're supposed to call it artificial intelligence cuz it's not that it's not that it's not turing test you know turing test past or whatever that we know of right. <laughs> right. i would not be surprised if there already is a, a legitimate um, artificial intelligence that um, is not available to the public It's just yet. not, yeah, for what it is, is, is walled off electronically yeah. from hmm. <clears throat> the rest of our electric, electric interconnectivity. So as it continues to like evolve and become less discernible from quote, real images, which we can go down a whole rabbit hole of, like, <laughs> Baudrillard and, like, what is, like, real and not real and the philosophy that this is not a pipe, you know, like, what, what image making is, but that's, like, a whole other question, but these not real as in not images created with a digital photography device or whatever that capture a real world occurrence, um, real or fake images. <clears throat> It's going to become, like, it could become uh, a very interesting time to be alive. And I think some people were freaking out last week related to the Pope image. Yeah. Just because, I'm, I mean, the Pope image to me wasn't scary because, oh my god, it was such a realistic image. It was scary because, once again, I was re reminded, like, how poor people's media literacy is, how... The immediacy of wanting to be a part of online discourse causes people to share things without checking the sources, yeah. without knowing where to look for the sources, without caring if it's a real image or not. And just there's just kind of like a culture of thirst and attention seeking, which is the attention economy, that makes the proliferation of false images... And false, again, being, like, a weird uh, qualifier. Like, what is false? But, again, we shouldn't really get into yeah. that. Yeah. image of something. That. An image of something that didn't happen in reality. Reality being, like, Re the whole... The real, the real world, the physical Flesh space. It, we call it meat, meat space. The, yeah, meat, meat space. space. That, the place, 3D reality. The place where meat is, 3D meat, is meat around. 3D consensus reality. Sure, sure. <laughs> um, so, I don't know. It was just, like, I think eye-opening... Well, not eye-opening, but just, like, another bleak reminder, reminder to me of, like, how stupid people can be. Well, it's not... I wouldn't... It's not 
stupid. It's like, I, I know I've harped on this so many times before. It's kind of, that is where our culture has been pushing people to be. Like, critical thinking is not a thing. No. You want to just it's be a part of the discourse, and it doesn't really matter if you're right or wrong. You just need to be in it. Well, not even not even to that. I mean, it's just like we we train our youth not to think critically. So how how can you have this skill like in mass when everything you're doing from fucking pre-K to college isn't encouraging mm-hmm. you to think critically? Like it's not I don't it's not necessarily people's faults. But okay, but also on top of that, there's the added layer of the fact that there's also a vested interest in suppressing certain kinds of critical thought. Yeah. So those certain kinds are all. I think all certain kinds of critical thought. So you're allowed to think critically within the Overton window of what is what is deemed respectable discourse. Let's say particularly not, in liberal and, like, left-leaning spheres. But that's not critical thinking. Critical thinking applies broadly. You can't... It's not critical thinking if you say it only applies to these things. But that's that's but not that's, thinking critically. But that's what I think <clears throat> is happening. Yeah. That's what I think is... I think the, just the definition of so many words and the scope, the... the I don't subscribe to changing definitions. Well, it's not. It's not critical thinking. Well, but that's... That's if you problem. can't take if you can't take in nuanced and varied ideas and like reason them, irregardless of whether they align with your personal values or thoughts about the world, you can't critically think. That's not critical thinking by definition. So whether you like it or not, definitions are continuing to change. You see that, right? Yeah, but that. that's not like I don't accept that as that's you can say like red is not red but that that does not mean that red's not red just because you're trying to control or manipulate reality that it's it's the control and manipulation of reality i wouldn't consider it i would not i i I don't i don't subscribe to the idea that that is what's or you know i don't know what i'm trying to say here no and let me let me just steer us back um I think, like, what I'm trying to say is um, critical thinking, Mm. as you define it, is... Actual critical thinking. Okay, 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 okay. The standard definition of critical thinking is shifting, and this is what I think... It's not... It's being manipulated. It's being manipulated. It's not shifting. It's being manipulated to control reality. So, these concepts of disinformation... And misinformation. Mm-hmm. This is this to me is like related to AI images, the pro- proliferation of fake, quote fake, quote real images, storylines, narratives, ideas, uh, windows of uh, criticism and critical thought. Um, disinformation, by definition, we we could look it up and read the actual definition, but disinformation, as I understand it, is information that's disseminated by a government or a state. Or a governing body which is intended to uh, manipulate or control the way that the population thinks about a certain subject situation. Yeah. Right? Does that sound about right? Misinformation is when that population, people, are proliferating untrue or um, regarded as untrue information uh, amongst each other. Mm. Correct? And then maybe it gets picked up by, like, government or state media or whatever. But theoretically, there's supposed to be, like, strong journalistic controls that, like, keep bad information from, like, bubbling. There aren't. Right, 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 (laughs) right. Okay, so misinformation is supposed to be about people proliferating bad information amongst each other. Disinformation is about the government um, feeding Uh, bad information. Lying. Power figure disseminating. Right. Um, And I think... One thing I've noticed in the past couple of years is those terms becoming interchangeable, for one thing. Yeah. Where people... Uh, people... I hate using these general terms. It's just... It's impossible to generalize anything like that. But I've just noticed, like, a shift of, like, things that aren't within the narrow scope of the Overton window of what's, like, whatever the disinformation of the day is... If you move outside of that informational 
framework, you are then misinformed. You're part of a misinformation um, framework, right? Mm. That's a, that's what I've been seeing happen. I guess. Do you understand what I'm saying? Yeah. I mean, that's that's from the perspective of someone in power. Like that's mm. how you control the narrative. That's how you shape reality. Is like mm-hmm. anything you get from that doesn't uh, align with what we tell you is reality what mm-hmm. is truth yeah it's just 19, is, the 1984 yeah. type thing the ministry of truth or whatever um so yeah that it seems like it's happening a lot and then um when you mix in like ai and things like that things that are meant to like uh optimize ease of information dissemination like for example, in our last podcast, we wrote a little um, bio mm-hmm. for ourselves using <clears throat> ChatGPT. And the it's meant to be this, like, innocuous little tool that allows us to do less work. And, like, I was talking about, I was using it for, like, grant applications mm-hmm. where, oh, I spent 10 minutes instead of 20 hours putting together this grant information. What an innocuous little tool <laughs> that just helped me out so much. But I think where people maybe some of the... Um, righteous, uh, the 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 righteous. What's the word I'm looking for? Um, discernment? No. Like tentativeness around adopting these tools is like the more that you hand over your ability to shape and critically frame information, the more it can be you know doctored doctored or or shaped and not even in this case by a state or a government or an authority but the tool itself becomes its own authority yeah that people are willing to sort of cede a lot of power of critical thought to you know and so i think that's like um like a zone that is imminent it's like imminent that it's going to get very muddy and weird and a lot of people are in those spheres are feeling like very scared and like doom doom and gloom about it in the past couple of weeks I've noticed. I don't know if you've like picked up on any of that. No. Discourse. I mean like when you were telling me about the Pope thing, you were like, oh a lot of people are freaked out by this. I'm like, what? <laughs> and it's very niche. It's probably just more because Twitter is like more of a hot bed for like the tech industry people. So yeah. I see a lot more of those. And also it depends on who you're following and Kind of, but not really, because well. I because I look at the for you, mm. and the for you on Twitter has become like a dog pile of information. Like the shit I see on there is isn't uh, that curated by an algorithm based on what you like, what it, you follow it's as well. It's changing. Though? No, no, the recipe has changed in the past mm. like month or so, and they actually like released the recipe for how the algorithm works and what it chooses to show you. Mm. Um, I can't remember. Elon Musk made some kind of tweet about what the for you page would be, and it's like basically not anybody you follow and having nothing to do with anything you're interested in. It's just like a wild, like a wild west tab which i love why not yeah i want the raw feed i mean i really i actually really like twitter a lot more in a way right now because it's gotten real grimy but they're saying that but in practice what's really happening because he also said like free speech free speech but very quickly we saw not when it applies to talking shit about him of course and yeah I mean, I just don't trust any oh, fuck that technocrat because oh, yeah, they can say all that stuff, but in practice, is that he's what's always really going to have happening? his bias? He yeah. wants to. He, I'm sure he feels like a robot because he's that kind of tech guy, you know. But like, he's not a robot. He's biased, and all the people who work for him are biased and yeah. trying to keep their jobs and you know whatever else. But and or worship him, but. The one thing that was interesting was the labeling of NPR as state-affiliated media. Um, which, well, they are. <laughs> right, right. So this happened, I don't know, a couple days ago. Um, Alon or the team or somebody who works at Twitter have been going through blue chat. I don't want to get into all this. It's just so, like, it's so tiresome because it's, like, everyone ever. It's, if you are a Twitter head like I am, I, the the social media I spend the most time on is Twitter right now. For the record, I am not a Twitter head. Tempa's not a Twitter head. <laughs> Twitter is my, probably my favorite social media. 
if I'm overwhelmed by TikTok. <laughs> no, I, th- I think Twitter is my favorite, but my use of Twitter has changed dramatically over the 15 years I've been on it, and it's been a wild ride. But I yeah. love every minute of it. Like, really, truly, Twitter rules. I'm just a nerd like that, I think. Twitter is for, like, a specific kind of nerdy person. Yeah. I don't know. It's been... I, th- I got on Twitter pretty early. I think, like, 08 or 09, something like that. And I just, yeah, I've very been... Check in once in a while, yeah. and then I'm out. <laughs> it's for a certain use. It's for a certain... Uh, it's just not not all social media is for everybody. Um, yeah. I love Twitter, though, and this labeling of the NPR thing was interesting. All the blue checks, now you have to pay to have a blue check. I think they have, like, some legacy blue check program. It's just, like, a whole mess of, like... <laughs> blue check used to mean, like, you were verified through some kind of, like... Um, Fortune 500, not Fortune 500, but one of those like legacy media companies would verify that you had, you were the person you said you were. Yeah, it was, time, it was like originally for celebrities, so people yeah, were in person. Celebrities, journalists, things like, yeah, people with, you don't, even, you don't have to have a lot of followers, it's just like you have enough notoriety because you were on this. I can't remember if it's like a it's Fortune like a Fortune five hundred company or it's like what's what are some of the big like media companies like Ugh. Forbes and shit you know how there's like conglomerates yeah. it's basically if you're Time name, Warner <laughs> not Time Warner but like the more like journalism oh so if you have Monday. had like your work published on like the Rolling Stone then you're likely to be able to qualify for mm. a blue check kind of thing it's those legacy magazines they used to be magazines legacy magazine conglomerates or whatever is my understanding um so anyway the blue checks went away now you pay eight dollars a month if you want a blue check it like eight dollars a month mm, it like pushes your tweets out great it increases your standing in the algorithm so more people will see your tweets on like the for you page or even within your like curated list of people you follow um but then I guess they decided that they were going to give these little gold check marks to media companies, I think. And I haven't followed it that closely, honestly, so I'm not going to go into the details because I don't know them. But I did think it was interesting that NPR got a <laughs> state-affiliated media check mark because typically those are reserved for um, media that is primarily funded by the state. So I would think like... BBC? Is BBC a public? Public, yeah. Okay, so maybe it wouldn't be that. But, like, retweet Russian Times or whatever it is. RT. Mm. You know what I'm talking about? Russia Today. Russia Today. Thank you. That's considered, like, a state-affiliated media. Because whatever percentage is funded by the state of the country of Russia. Yeah. Well, I mean, BBC is funded by... Right. It's, it's, it's national radio. So I don't know if BBC is checked or not. But NPR, I guess people are taking issue with it. A, because the concept of state-affiliated media is steeped in, like, anti-Russian sentiment because Russia today is considered such a, like, evil... It's considered such, like, an evil media outlet by, like, weird anti-Russia, you know, Mm. the NAFO people or whatever. You know what I'm talking about? No. What's a NAFO? I think NAFO are, like people slash a bot army that is on um twitter and maybe at one point facebook facebook to like um tamp down pro-russian sentiment or any kind of sentiment that's like anti-us imperialism and the proxy war in ukraine Mm. so I think they're kind of bots, but then there's also, like, some people that don't realize that they're bots, and so then they're actual people jumping on the NAFO train. Mm. Don't quote me on that. This (laughs) is my, like, this is, like, a... These are not things that I, like, study. These are just ideas I've come upon and scratched the surface of, but... Uh, Going back to NPR. NPR is supposedly only 2% funded by the United States. Yeah, but Money they're also the funded by like corporations, corporations which are and, absolutely subsidized yeah. by the United States, right? So it's a corp I would I would I think 
I think the statement that's being made about NPR is like, yeah, it might seem like it's a publicly funded, therefore... And at one time it probably was. Sure, sure. So therefore unimpeded by corporate interests, state interests, political interests. Oh yeah, we're just saying things just how they are. And like, there's no propaganda here because how could it be? It's funded by little people like you and your monthly or yearly, you know, year-end contribution during the fund drive or whatever. When in reality, now NPR has to be like, and this is our, we have like a couple NPR people we like to do impressions <laughs> of. This is, um... Maria Louise Kelly. Or Mary, this is Maria Louise Kelly. And <laughs> our next segment, we must disclaim, was funded by Amazon.com. You know how they do that now? <laughs> yeah. They have to do disclaimers because it'll be a story about Amazon Union, like an Amazon Union forming and like a pro-union story, but they are also funded by Amazon, which is obviously a union busting company. Mm-hmm. Um, so then you have to ask yourself like, okay, they have to make those disclaimers, but how much are the stories that they're telling really unbiased if they rely on Amazon.com to make those stories yeah. happen. So it's a corporatocracy. Even if it's so state-affiliated, state, state affiliated, yeah, maybe, maybe not, but then you have to get into the bigger question of, like, is our state not just a corporatocracy? <laughs> we live in an oligarchy. Right. <clears throat> the government's owned by, the, by corporations. Right. And Twitter being the same thing. So, you know, when Elon makes a choice like that to, to call it state-affiliated me, me, uh, media, it's interesting because, okay, cool, fine, he did that. But there's plenty of other things that could also be called state-affiliated media that, de- depending on his biases, his media yeah. biases, he's not going to label those state-affiliated media, even if they are, or even if the, like, the way that they operate is the same, you know? Yeah. Maybe Twitter's state I mean, it is. It's already, <laughs> so, it's already come out that they con- colluded with the government. Talking about the Twitter files? To, yeah. To, to just, suppress to, to certain suppress information. Her. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> so. I mean, no, I don't think any social media's hands are clean on that mm-hmm. front. <laughs> well, and then, you know, then there's the whole, the TikTok thing, which, like, is just too me to... to it's always more complicated than this, but to me, the simple story is like, um, you know, U.S. hegemony is, uh, it's it's crumbling. You know, the petrodollar is losing its strength in the world. Russia, China, Brazil, India, and I think a couple other countries are banding together and saying, we're not going to buy oil with the dollar anymore. We're going to buy oil with our currency, which mm-hmm. is a, a big deal. Um, but so that hegemony is falling and when so much, uh, money is in tech and China owns the most popular social media platform in the world, the most used, the most, uh, active users in the world, um, they have, then they have the the supply chain of all, basically all, all of the tech, all all the (laughs) devices, all the chips, components, not to to mention, yeah, not to mention, uh, some African countries that have the minerals that are needed. China's already swallowed up all the Mm -hmm. minerals as well, basically. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, there's, uh, so then there's that where I I was trying to say, I have to back up. Um, the tick, the weird fucking TikTok trial where they're going to put that guy on trial. Mo the the CEO the TikTok CEO was on trial. I don't know oh, if you watched any of that. No. I just watched clips and stuff, but you know, they were grilling him. It was a very similar kind of like media circus to when Zuckerberg was on trial for certain Who things. Who put him on trial? The Congress? Congress Our Congress? Or, yeah, oh. Congress. It was very, very similar to that where it's like you know, idiot senators being like, Can can TikTok connect to your Wi Fi? And the guy's like <laughs> Yeah, I mean, yeah, if, if your device is connected to the Wi-Fi, then TikTok is using the Wi-Fi to connect, like, or, or the device is using Wi-Fi to connect so you can get on TikTok, like, just, ba- you know, answering really basic questions, and they're like, I rest my case, TikTok can get into your Wi-Fi, <laughs> you know, <laughs> just, like, very just weird. a bunch of Luddite yeah. fucking Congress well, people. Well, because they're just old. <laughs> no hate, but, like, it's just funny. So if you're going to do that, you need to set up a special committee of fucking experts that know what the fuck mm. they're talking about. You can't just have these... 
But the real issue, the real... Regular ass assholes uh, asking questions. But the real reason they were trying to do, to do this TikTok ban, to me, to my eyes, which again, I'm scratching at the surface, I'm not going super deep into any of these subjects, but to me it would appear... On first, at first glance, it's just that, like, you know, U.S. hegemony being what it is, they want to be in control of all of the most, you know, the of the economy, the world economy, right? Mm-hmm. They want to be the world economy and the world cops. And China owns TikTok, and TikTok is a, a more popular and far-reaching um, media platform right now that they can't use to their benefit. So that for Facebook, they can go into Facebook or Instagram and take or use any of the information that you and I put online mm-hmm. for whatever they want. They can, the FBI can look at it, the CIA, you're doing some something of interest, they have access to it, no problem. They don't have that kind of access to TikTok. So in the data wars, um, they're losing because they have a huge um, slice of the data market that's not accessible to profit off of or to prosecute with, right? Um, so that's like the main thing. And it's just, I think I was saying that just the idea that like, uh, I actually don't remember where I was going with that. Oh, it's okay. (laughs) I think I was just thinking of like the hypocrisy of, oh, just people freaking out about TikTok when they don't realize that Instagram and Facebook and Twitter are all doing the same shit. Yeah, and I mean, at the end of the day... In terms of, like, data mining you. Right, exactly. And at the end of the day, the reason the U.S. government wants us to be scared of TikTok or is doing this trial to try to... They're trying to stoke xenophobic sentiment that is anti-Chinese sentiment because this um, U.S. dollar is kind of at stake, in theory, you know? Because uh, I think it helps... I think it helps them stoke like an anti-China sentiment, which then if they decide to go, you know, invade Taiwan in the next proxy war or whatever, they can I mean, we're, easily I, do we're, that. We're already in a proxy war with like Russia, China. Right. <clears throat> so to me, it's just ridiculous. And then also the TikTok ban, if you have read or, or glanced at the restrict bill that has been written and floated in response to the TikTok ban, it would seem to me, it's a, it's a really bad bill. If you get a chance, just Google the Restrict Act. Um, and it's basically just pushing additional uh, legislature, I guess is the word. Legislation? Legislation um, to even further entrench the kind of privacy issues that already exist on all the other social media platforms. It's pushing that to like a higher degree. Um, So they're trying to tell us, be scared because TikTok has access to any device on your Wi-Fi at any time, when really the Restrict Act is opening the doors for the U.S. to have access to anything connected to your Wi-Fi at any Mm -hmm. time, right? Um, Or just like a slew of other things that I can't remember off the top of my head now, but just basically making things worse. uh, You said banning VPNs. I remember you Mm -hmm. telling me that, which which is is ridiculous. (laughs) Yeah, and if they find you with a VPN, it's a penalty, it's a felony, or not a felony, but uh, a penalty of up to 20 years in prison. Wow. So if you run a fucking VPN, if you try to have any semblance of privacy on your devices, you are liable this is what they're trying to push. This doesn't exist yet. But I think what they're trying to do is, like, push an extreme, and then some there will be either pushback or there won't be pushback, and then they'll pare it down to something less extreme, which will still benefit them in the yeah. long run, you know? Freaky times. I mean, it's never not been freaky times. It's just it, the noose has been getting tighter and tighter. Yeah. So look it up and, you know, and maybe you, the listener, can understand it better than I can because I'm just clearly scratching the surface all over the place <laughs> all the time trying to understand what the fuck is going on, man. <laughs> but yeah, the VPN thing is really bad because, um, I don't know, you use the <laughs> VPN pretty 
allegedly use a VPN pretty often. Do we have to say allegedly now? In case mm, you're in trouble it's down not there? a lie yet. It's, it's still just in the bill phase, but yeah. Well, um, yeah, and you you're pretty like you're pretty tight on your security. You don't use Google. Fuck no. <laughs> I use Google for everything because I'm just it's the it's the it's those frog in a boiling pot things where I'm like oh it's so easy it remembers all my passwords for me you know I do not give Google your passwords too late they have all my stuff like this Same. Is, yeah no because this to me <laughs> this is just like I personally pick my battles in different ways you know yeah so I mean for me it's not even about for me it's just more I want to see what's a non-curated fucking mm. search search yeah yeah so for me use... that's the biggest thing is like i don't want a curated search i want to see what the fuck is actually out there yeah and like, by curated you to... mean like the seo optimization and the ad buying mm-hmm. at the top seo optimization ad buying not only that they suppress like new if you're searching for like a uh a news topic or current event things that are outside of the sphere. Arts, uh, of, arts, uh, in, outside of the narrative yeah. do get buried or mm. not even buried. You can't find them at all. So mm. it's like if I Google like a country or a political thing, like I want to see all the stories that have been written about mm. that, not the ones that mm-hmm. benefit like the U.S. narrative. Mm-hmm. Like I don't, I'm not interested in that at all. Like I want the fucking internet. Like <laughs> you know, it's funny because I think- kids today they didn't grow up with Wild West internet like we did. <laughs> I know. Honestly, though, a lot of the information that I get in the the most timely information comes from me searching on Twitter or searching on TikTok. And but Twitter doesn't Twitter doesn't allow like an un, it's not uncurated. Also, like Twitter suppresses information as well. It really depends on how you use it. Yeah. Like yes and no. Um, I, the reason I really like Twitter as a um, search engine, which is how I use it at times, uh, you are going to come upon stuff that you you like. Anything you search, you should be exercising a grain of salt and a degree of uh, discernment. Discernment, yeah. But that is why I love using Twitter's because I am always on high discernment when using it and. Uh, allow myself to take in a really vast uh, spectrum of information, which you can find there in a way that, to me, has been more useful than Google, obviously, but I don't use DuckDuckGo or I don't know. I find it to be really great for super timely, super new, investigative, and unfolding information. You can find a really broad spectrum of opinions and ideas on things, so... That's my preference, honestly. If I'm if I'm looking like for a recipe, uh, Google's great for that, mm-hmm. you know. But yeah, so <laughs> the war. I think the war on information is like an idea that has been around for a long time, or information oh, mass sure. war, or info wars, if you will. Oh no, the people are gonna <laughs> lose their minds. Interdimensional child molesters. <laughs> um, but informational war is a thing, and I think we've talked about this before. Like Michael Parenti is one of the, uh, you know, the grandfathers of the thought of behind media literacy and media disinformation and propaganda in America specifically. And I always encourage people to go read some Michael Parenti or read or listen to some of his lectures on YouTube. They're very like enlightening on this topic. Noam Chomsky, I mean, I guess you can do that too, but I kind of lost faith in the guy. <laughs> he got co-opted. He was just, even when we watched that, like, documentary on him a year or two back, I was yeah. kind of like, you know, I don't think someone can become this popular and lecture at so many Ivy League fucking colleges without being something of a tool of the state, you know? I guess I tend to believe, like, you have to be a little more hated to be real, to be reality to be part of a real, like, you know, like, the state can't, uh, love you that much. Mm. And if you're that beloved, I tend to have, like, a little, I tend to side-eye the speaker, you know? Is that just, like, the punk, punk rock kid in me or something? I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) I just tend to find it, like, a little suspect when someone's too beloved by the institution, you know? Well, he certainly seems to have changed a bit from his younger years as he got older yeah, and such. Sure. Like, sure. but 
crusty we all, I guess. <laughs> I, I don't know. I hope I stay crusty and weird forever. Oh, you'll, you'll still change in that crusty and weirdness. Oh, yeah. I don't necessarily subscribe to the, like, uh, young people are left-wing, and then when, as you get older, then you become right conservative. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't happen. But like that always. I think, yeah, maybe you get... Maybe the more invested you are in the system, then... Well, and you have to also understand... like the more you have to lose by going against that. Well, and the system is not, is not like, on some kind of st- static political axis either. Like, some people, no. some people argue that what was considered... What's considered the left now, 50 years ago, would have been considered pretty far right. You know, so that's like an axis that's always tilting and shifting and like it's happening in real time around you. So you're not always aware of how those shifts are happening and like what you're subscribing to might have been considered radical a long time ago and it's really not anymore or used to be considered conservative and now is radical or you know what I mean? These things are not static, I think is the important um, uh, context to remember. Okay, I think I've, I think I've, uh... Choo-chooed that one? I think I, I think I wore myself out. Because <laughs> I just, yeah. I'm just trying to understand stuff. I think media literacy, uh, like you said at the beginning, I'm not saying that I am a paradigm of understanding what the fuck is going on. Because I mm-hmm. don't know what the hell is going on, you know? Nor can anyone. There is not a them who knows what's going on. There's not like a, to me, there's not a grand authority who is f- of everything orchestrating no. all this fucked up shit. Like, but, but there's a lot of things that do support each other, mm-hmm. whether they consciously do or not. And there's but... a very small group of people who own the vast majority of the world's wealth who probably work together to ensure that that wealth is protected. Yeah. So if there's a them, that's who that them is, you know. But it's not like they have all this, like, grand, like, blueprint laid out on the table that they're doing to us or something. It's just a lot of interesting moving pieces going on. And I think... We're we... like the World Economic Forum. Yeah. They got some blueprints. <laughs> I mean, and that, but that's, like, a much larger group of people. That's... Yeah. There's a bunch of, like, young leaders and, like, aspiring one percenters or whatever, you know. Yeah, but don't you think that's mostly for show? Yeah, to some Probably extent. the actual people that are making the decisions are... That's what I mean. Yeah. But the decisions is something that's what I'm contesting. I don't think there's a the decisions. I think there's conversations about things that will, like, benefit individuals and not like a master... What is that? Not like a reptilian overlord kind of scenario. Are you sure? No, I'm not. It could be a reptilian overlord. I'm not sure. <laughs> this is just where I'm at. And trying to understand. <laughs> the, my whole point is I'm not fucking sure about anything. Um, but I did today forge a sterling silver tinfoil hat charm. Yes, very small. <laughs> the smallest tinfoil hat in the world, you say. I made the tiniest tinfoil hat out of sterling silver precious metal clay today. Because it's an idea I've had for a long time. And this week I've been uh, exploring the this well-known prepper preparedness preparator uh store of value which is silver um junk usually junk silver is like part of part of the typical prepper toolkit includes some store of silver in the case that the apocalypse hits a fan yeah we're back to the preppers yeah well that's okay It's, it's all come full circle but anyway let's talk about our upcoming performance we're coming out of hiatus a little bit right yeah. She waves me on. <laughs> I feel like I'm talking too much. It's fine. I'm not as I'm not as uh what's the word? Verbose about is that the right word? Verbose? Yeah, verbose is the word. Um, Daddy just knows what he knows. I don't know. Yeah, I am not I'm not I am not that wordy. Well, we have a podcast, so Yeah, and, and <laughs> the reason I wanted to start it was to try to to be more comfortable mm. talking, and that already, even with all that we've done, I've, I've talked more than I normally do. So. Well, that's good. Yeah. You can, and you have a record of it. Yeah. Brilliant so, ideas. 
I don't know about brilliant ideas. <laughs> brilliant ideas. There's ideas for sure, but tell us debatable. This, tell us about this performance we're doing. Um, we're going to do, I guess, a live version of a like a, a short video that we did last year. It would have been last year or two years ago. Okay. Last year, no, I think it was last March. We um, we made a little video. But it was uh, two, kind of two characters. Uh, <clears throat> what were they called again? G- 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 germ. Germ and GMO <laughs> pup. Uh, I think uh, so. I think we called it Germ and Lab Grown Labrador. Labrador. Oh, so there are two two leather pup masks that I made. One of them like a, a natural untanned leather color, the other one like a green leather. Dyed green. And they're like tooled masks. And it was part of some other idea I was working with with like wheat germ, which we went into in a different post. But yeah, should I just read the caption? Well, you can go to our Instagram, Sacred Sadism on Instagram, and it's like the third post there. You could read the caption. Leather dog hood. Leather dog hoods, and then we face each other. It's a very, like, Marina Abramovic and Ule style video, which I just showed you is the reference. You did? Um, and we cough into each other's mouths for five a minute. Minutes. Or five. So is it five? It's five. Wow. Well, so we only show, like, a minute of it on our Instagram, but we also put the five minutes under a clip site, one of my, on, like, a pro-dom clip site that I have. Mm. Um... Yeah, we coughed into each other's mouths for five minutes straight. <laughs> Coughing back and forth forever. Forever. Just like our pooping back pooping and forth back to and forth tattoos. Forever. Yeah. So we're going to do a live version of this coming up in a month. And yeah, what are, you, what, are you, what are your thoughts about doing it live? Um, I think it'll be really interesting to see um, just the reactions live. Because, I mean, when we did this, it was still... Um, kind of the tail end of masking and masking eye. fallout, and yeah, it's interesting to see people in the comments like being grossed out and squicked out by this this action, mm-hmm. even though we're like flu- it's quite obvious that we're partners, we're fluid bonded, like yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's just interesting to see like yeah what Mark. Uh, kind of COVID is left on the psyche of people. When they see it in in meat space, we're going to perform it at like an event our friend is throwing with a bunch of different performances. It's one thing to do it on the internet and have people react to it, but it's also a different thing to do it in real life and be coughing in real life. In a, we're going to be outside in a garden, but yeah. still sharing space with people Making them sit through five minutes of, like, like, (laughs) this is, like, performance art 101, kind of uncomfortable, quiet, action-oriented, durational performance. It will be really interesting. You know, I was kind of thinking about it, too. Like, there's a couple, to me, it's a really, on its surface, simple and, in a sense, boring performance. Just coughing into each other's mouths yeah. for five minutes straight. But there's a lot. There's kind of a lot also happening. Yeah, I think one of the things we were talking about when we were trying to decide what to do for this event in particular um, was, like, mm, I think we were talking about the symbol of the cough being, mm. like, a really potent symbol after these three years um, or as these on, these ongoing three years of, like, people processing what this pandemic was and the the symbolism of the cough having i have to imagine just like an infinite an infinite symbolic reference as an infinite symbolic reference point you know yeah like if you were out in the world at any time let's say like two years ago i remember us going to the flea market um Still, there was still outdoor masking in L.A. I think I took my mask down, took a sip of my coffee, and started choking on it. (laughs) You know, pulled my mask back up, and then was just, like, coughing and coughing and coughing. And I remember 
people around us just like kind of like getting the look <laughs> get, getting the like an upset look like moving away just like mad that I was coughing um and yeah I think about those kind of instances over the past couple of years and I think we want to just kind of we want to put this out there as just a symbol in the way that like a stroke on a canvas is a symbol you know or mm. an image on a canvas is a symbol because this is clearly an action a human action yeah a normal human action that has taken on a lot of weight in all directions for a lot of people you know so it'll be exciting to see what people get from it yeah what the reaction is like uh, i think it'll run the gamut do you remember what um I forgot their name. Emily? No. Uh, Terrell? Terrell. Terrell said, because yeah, we, we were out and a, a friend, um, a friend said commented that... to us about it and said, oh, I saw your, your coughing video. I mean, he said that he had just been, like, sitting with it and was like, wow. I was like, whoa, wow. Yeah. <laughs> it wasn't that deep. It was hard to tell where he was coming from exactly. Or, yeah, exactly what he felt about it. We also had that video. It was up on TikTok for a while. It was. So this was an interesting experience. And it like, did fairly well with her clip. TikTok, I feel like, too. Yeah, yeah. It got, it got, got a, removed. It got a good <laughs> amount of reach and commenting and, you know... People freaking out about it a little, other people finding it really interesting. And then we also got a label put on it that said, this video is done by professionals. <laughs> it's It was basically the, like, this this video could harm you or others do not do unless you're a professional or something. Like, one of those ones were, like, a stunt, basically a stunt warning. Like, do not engage in this if you're not a professional. And it was literally us coughing. Or, and, and it said something like this could cause harm. And I thought it was so interesting because it was like without the context of like, we're fluid bonded. We live together. Mm -hmm. um, we don't have COVID in this video. <laughs> like that, that alone is like interesting. <clears throat> and the thing about it that I think is so interesting is recognizing that we live in a world now or at least a year ago where all breath is presumed to be poison. That's like this phrase that I keep thinking of when I think mm -hmm. about it. Where, like, our literal life force, our breath, changed symbolically in this period of time. This thing that is so sacred and spiritual in so many practices, breath, yeah, is now also a weapon, you know? And I think this concept of weaponry keeps coming up in our work, too. And I think that's why we wanted to come to this... I'd bring this performance back and put it in real space and meat space and see what kind of reactions we get. It'll be interesting. I'm excited. Yeah. Yeah. I'm trying to think. Uh, I feel like I've recently been in more spaces with a lot of like long long term maskers recently. Uh -huh. So like maybe maybe the being in proximity to that is like making me think that there will be some of those people present, but maybe not. What do you mean by those reality. people? Like people who will be upset by us? Coughing? No, people that are like still wearing masks. Mm -hmm. um, but I'm not really sure what the, the demographics. I guess when we were at the other party put on by this person, that wasn't really a thing. So maybe not. No. And, but... and the thing is, like, I think without us ascribing any kind of like meaning, meaning or value can there be a value no matter where you are in that you know yeah in in the ongoing adjustments to a post-pandemic or endemic coronavirus world is it a, it's can it be meaningful without like ascribing a like you know hard line politic this is good or bad this is right or wrong like you know uh, what I, I think mean? more just like the the edge lord in me is just wanting to have some you want pearl, pearl clutches, yeah, pearl clutches. <laughs> you want people, to but I don't upset. think that's necessarily going to be the demographic. I think like the drag show and then that last munch I went to, I feel like I saw a lot of masky people. Well, do you think but... masky people couldn't have a positive experience of this piece? No, not necessarily. 
Yeah, I kind of, I guess that's what I see is somewhat interesting about it is like, um, what I think the piece is about, two, there's two things that interest me about the piece. The concept of breath being transformed into a weapon mm-hmm. and the concept of risk, which is at the base of our experience and inquiries in BDSM, risk and consent. And and intimacy. Right. But let's just put, let's, let's just pare it down to risk and consent because a large part of the past three years has been about calculating risk and navigating new consent systems that consent uh, has been navigated in a very different way in our everyday lives than it used to be navigating these new consent systems and he i guess like figuring out where you can't gain consent Hmm. you know you know what i'm saying it's like you can, because in BDSM, you, you, you assume that you can navigate consent on all these different levels. But at the end of the day, risk is always there. Right? Yeah. So to me, it's kind of about this risk-aware consensual kink rack. Um, where you're, let's, in a, let's say in the height of COVID, you're navigating your risk. You're navigating the risk of those around you. But you're also consenting to the fact that there's only so much you can do with an airborne pathogen. Yeah, short of, you know, being in a fully like a bubble. Yeah, yeah, scuba gear. Um. So yeah, there's. I I guess I th- I see those connections, and especially because pathogens are an inherent part of the ecological systems we live in. Um. I find, I I guess I find that really interesting. Like, we can't think about plants and soil without thinking about pathogens, you know what I mean? But pathogens have become a boogeyman. And in the same way, our breath has become a weapon or poison, you know? Mm -hmm. And risk has become something that is, like, something you must avoid at all costs. And consent is something you can absolutely gain through a b or c behaviors but all of those things are just really i don't know i think there's no fun without risk (laughs) (laughs) well i guess it depends on what you consider fun well (laughs) and certainly risk is different person to person yeah like what is a risky bdsm uh activity for me is a no-brainer for somebody else yeah you know I, i just think a lot of those things are intertwined and really interesting and without prescribing Uh, you know, without prescribing a meaning, hopefully all people, no matter where they are in their own, like, risk assessment and navigation of the ongoing endemic SARS-CoV-2 virus will find something meaningful in us coughing into each other's mouths, something we're doing with consent and uh, love. What if at the end you go, I didn't consent to that? Why would I do that? Uh, just making a joke. A little edgelord. <laughs> I did not consent to that. Wow. End scene. End scene. <laughs> I don't know, honey. But this concept of weaponry was also like interesting us to us, right? Mm-hmm. I think we're gonna try to keep sort of peeling back the layers on that because so much of our work has been distilled into some kind of weird like hippie eco-erotica like garden of eden soft ass bullshit (laughs) (laughs) i'm sorry but it has um i think like both of us have expressed like a desire to go into some territory that's maybe a little less digestible to like the pedestrian viewer yeah i mean it's kind i feel like that's kind of art always been there but yeah People are going to see what they're going to see. I think I just want to, like, resist simple classifications of the yeah. work at this point. And what part of the way to do that is to get us to some less classifiable subject matter, you know? Mm-hmm. 
and I'm excited to do that. We had talked about, I think maybe we, did we discuss this in the last podcast about maybe incorporating a gun into some of our images? Um, I can't remember perhaps, but yeah, I think we did, we used, <coughs> we used an air or bow and arrow in we, like one yeah. of our last, mo- most recent photo shoots. Yeah. Um, but we had an interest in using a gun, Tempest hunting rifle. Because I, th- I was thinking about symbols of, or we were thinking about symbols of power. Yeah. And the gun being this, like, exceptional, exceptionally potent symbol of power. Absolutely a, like, hot-button symbol in American culture. And bringing that conception of power to conversations of kink and then ecosystems but also yeah also also a tool for life though mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. um right because you can eat with it mm-hmm. and you know the i think we've talked about this at nauseum i feel like also just the cycle like there is no life without death like mm-hmm. they are going to be linked for as long as there are beings. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's always... It's become like a, a... It's become a more malleable symbol recently. Like, with the, the anti-drag bills and the trans legislation happening, I've noticed a lot more people who I think would typically be rather stringent gun control type people saying, you know what, fuck it. I just need to learn how to use a firearm for self-defense. Uh, Do you know what I'm talking about? Um, I ha- I'm not... <coughs> I am not... haven't noticed that myself, necessarily. At least not recently, but I've, I've... I've heard that in the past, like, a few years ago, for sure. I feel like I'm noticing more and more um, queer and or trans and or... Um, yeah, more, more like queer and trans people who I would, I'm making an assumption, but I would think in the past were rather like stringent gun control people seem to be either changing their tune or more willing to voice their desire to learn, um, Mm. self-defense or or going to self defense training with firearms. Yeah. So I think it's an interesting kind of shifting power symbol too because I think people are starting to recognize like wait, maybe gun control is actually going to hurt me more than it's going to, you know, save people like me. Yeah. You know. I, I'm kind of seeing that conversation shift, which I think is really interesting, you know. Yeah. And I mean, But yeah, our conversations about it have kind of stalled in terms of photographing with the gun because it's a symbol that if we were to show it on um, social media probably wouldn't be like the place to have the most nuanced conversation about it. Fuck it. I don't know. I still think it's yeah, just I kind th- of thing we should just <laughs> throw it up. We'll probably do it eventually. <laughs> yeah. Mm. We do have the bow and arrow uh, shoot that we haven't put up yet and then We haven't? Oh, we just haven't used the, we haven't the, used the images with the, with the bow and arrow but i think it's interesting how a bow and arrow doesn't have the same no it has this like primitivist bent no, to it's, it it's a glamorized yeah. it's like ooh, yeah peter pan or not peter, peter pan, pan. Uh, robin hood yeah. or like katniss or yeah i think there's something about a tool mm, maybe a tool that is older yeah but i mean it's it, even even like a knife i think yeah. has like more of a Potent. less of a romanticized mm. like thing with it or like if you saw someone walking down the street with a sword or like a fucking broadsword or something like um you would pe- people would kind of freak out a little bit but definitely like if you walk maybe maybe if the arrow was like knocked or something but it I'm not sure. Yeah, there's a kind of charm to it, and there's also a skill to it that, like, not everybody... A sword, pretty much most people can jab you with a sword. 
Most people can jab you with a knife. Most people can pull a trigger. Yeah. And a bow and arrow requires a certain skill. Not at not if you're close though. I think at distance, yeah. But if you're if you're ten feet from someone, unless you're completely inept, I don't think you're I don't gonna. Know. I think there's a certain <clears throat> like I. I've... It's the same thing with like a gun, point and shoot. Yeah, I guess I I would say that in people's imagination, the bow and arrow is like a higher, um, uh, fr- f- higher friction to use. Mm-hmm. Personally, I say that as someone who just picked up your bow recently and see how long it took for me to do that, just because. In my mind, it's a very difficult tool to use. More mm. difficult than a gun. More difficult than a knife or a, short, uh, or a sword. Then I used it and I was like, oh, this isn't that hard at all. Yeah. But if you haven't had that experience, you might think, oh, that's a really like high skill tool. Yeah. Comparative to other weapons. I don't know. I just, yeah, I just think it's got, yeah, some kind of like romanticized. Mm. Renaissance kind of... fair romanticized air about it yeah yeah so it'll be interesting for us to keep going that direction we'll see what our cough cough performance brings out Mm -hmm. i know you want i know you want people to be disturbed and pearl clutch but necessarily it might not happen (laughs) uh, and i don't want i am not married to any specific outcome like i would love it if people told us what they thought or what came up for them from it, but that doesn't need to happen either. Actually, the one, like, negative comment on this post wasn't even about the cough. This, can I read you what it is? Yeah, it was about the hint towards GMO and towards, like, uh, lab-grown meat. Yeah, it was kind of... Lab-grown Labrador. Yeah, lab-grown Labrador. I was kind of talking about, like, the the dominance of science as being like the solution to science is more science, you know, kind of idea. Mm-hmm. Um, nobody is mad against lab-grown meat, as if industrialized slaughter of pigs and young bulls, requ- bulls required more strength or virility. What a joke. <laughs> Finer engineering will prevail again until nature does, discarding human art, including this kind of reactionary hybridophilia. <laughs> I don't even really know what that means. To you be mad, bro? Uh, yeah. You okay? Yeah, I'm not. Uh, it's interesting. Hybridophilia. I mean, I think we're talking about a chimera, but the chimeric aspect is actually meant to be sort of tongue in cheek. You know, mm. this idea of like engineering, uh, uh, scientific engineering of like optimized food animal hybrid things you know whatever like in morbius Mm. um yeah i don't know it's good to leave it a little open-ended let them have their let them have their fucking feelings that's important (laughs) that's important for them to sit with and not important for us to uh resolve for them because art is not a therapy that's right (laughs) so yeah um may 6th if you're in la come see us we'll announce it on our instagram should be a good time. Yeah. Anything else? Um, I don't think so. All right. Is anything you're thinking of? Nope. Oh, I'm always thinking. I'm always thinking. We could talk about car struggles, but we yeah. don't have to. We'll get to <laughs> when we get a new car, I'm sure we'll we'll talk all about it. The way of a story. Yeah. The frustrations. The trials and tribulations of being carless in L.A. But <laughs> until then. Hope all is well. Bye. Thanks for listening to Cosmic Halitosis. If you have questions or comments or want to yell something at us, email us at cosmic with a K halitosis, cosmichalitosis at gmail.com. Please subscribe and like the podcast. And you can follow us on our personal Instagram accounts. I am Gorgeous Taps, and Temba is Tembizzle, T-E-M-B-I-Z-Z-L-E. Thanks for listening.